Well, good evening, good morrow, and good morning, all you absolutely fine, fantastically sexy motherfuckers out there. You, you are who I am very interested in today. Yes, see, I, I heard rumor, or tell at least, that you were, you were looking for something combative to argue about, or better yet, you needed something. So, let's delve into the very fun topic of veganism, and, and why, in my opinion, you as a human being are morally obligated to become vegan. Let's do this. Now, why, Mikhail, would you be so brave, so ostentatious as to take up this front, to take up this double-ended sort of danger, especially in the realms of controversy? And to be honest, it's it's because it's something that I care a lot about. And it's not in veganism. I don't give a shit about veganism. No, I believe what I care about is order. What irritates me, what, what causes me a great amount of contention is when people bitch and complain about things not working the way they want it to. But then they sit and continue to exist and push systems that are disharmonious. They don't click right. It just doesn't fit the same way. It's not so fun. See, we live in a society where many of us suffer from health issues of varying degrees, right? Some of them very large, like big issues, big problems that are insurmountable, except through the innovation with technology and Western medicine or pharmaceutical intervention. Many of us know that these aspects of our life are violently connected. We can't get away from them. And we've accepted them as a part of our everyday. So when some, you know, young, blonde, yippie, yuppie, I don't know, millennial, new age, when some know-it-all motherfucker shows up and says, hey, you should quit doing something you've been doing for your entire life. It's only natural for some people to be opposed to that change. In fact, I'll be honest, I was violently opposed to that change for the longest time. Even as, as a young individual, uh, I had this idea in my head that I would die for my diet. I love butter, garlic, butter, and a little bit more butter. You see, I, I love good food. And for the longest time, I classified good food as rich food. Good food as being that which had the most umami, the most just like... You know, just to think back to, you know, some of us could just think of steak. God, I love steak. Oh, I love meat. I really do. I love meat. I love cheese. I love, I am not advocating for you to make some crazy ass dramatic change, but we need to evaluate. We need to, we need to ask some questions to figure out why it's important that we make these changes. I would never ask you to do something extreme if there wasn't an extreme motivation behind it. So as you go into this discussion, a little one-sided it may be, but as we go into this conversation, I want you to keep in mind that this is not, I'm not trying, nor is the goal here to make you do something difficult. The purpose here is I want you to understand why it's important that we do. So first off, what exactly is veganism and why is it important? Veganism, as we're going to break it down here, is plain and simple. If it has a mama or came from a mama, you don't eat it. That's a lot of things, right? We're talking meat, 
cheese, milk, dairy products. You're, it's a lot. Veganism is a wide branch thing, encapsulates a lot of what our culture, both on as Western society and as a human race, is built around. Right? You know, when you get into veganism, modern day would challenge this because you're going to be faced with having to separate yourself from convenience that our society has built around for hundreds of years now. I mean, I could almost go so far as to say thousands of years, but we'll leave it at a hundred. Veganism is this unique idea of not eating anything that is inorganic to your organic system. TLDR version is, if you, as an animal, wouldn't have found or eaten it in nature as part of your natural path, right? Then you really don't eat it today. There's a lot of different reasons and ethics or morality which drives different people to go into veganism. To be honest, I am a selfish motherfucker. I had The only reason I was curious with veganism, it had nothing to do with save the planet or animal rights. And, no, I like good food and I wanted to be able to continue to eat good food. And one day when I was suffering from some serious stomach problems, I, my friend was like, hey, you know, if you really want that to go away, what you have to do is you have to just go vegan 28 days for a month. Go vegan for a month and bet that will go away. Now, what I was dealing with was an ulcer in my stomach and a, a substantial one to the degree that I couldn't eat food. E eating pretty much anything, irrespective of what or how I put it on, it just it immediately, it didn't stay. It caused violent cramps and pains to such a degree that I was I was losing more weight than I could keep on, and I just as a kid it wasn't a, it wasn't pretty, and certainly not as pretty as what you see today. <laughs> but I didn't believe it. I really didn't. Even in fact, I was like, okay, cool, appreciate that bit of information. I'm gonna fuck off and go figure out something else. So half a bottle of Pepto Bismol later, and years of continual pain. I was driven to a point where I had no other choice. I was like, no, we really, we won't test this shit because I can't anymore. And so I did. We adapted the diet, and I say we as in me and the many voices in my head and the supportive family that I had around me, but I also didn't say, hey, I'm going vegan. I just, I started evaluating this change as kind of like a medical experiment, so to speak. I wanted to test it. Right. If anything, you know, hey, Lord knows I love experimentation. But what I really like is validation. I want to know that what I'm doing is going to work and why it's going to work that way. So, and trust me, from being deeply connected and involved with high magic systems, this is something I am not unfamiliar with. I love experimentation, scholarly research to test. And so that was the, that was the route we were going to take here. Now, all the while that I was trying to wrap my head around this idea of going vegan before I could even, you know, challenge it, before I could refute it and go, no, fuck that, I'm not going to do that, because that was definitely the immediate position. The rational self in me says you can't respond violently or immediately to anything and truly have an understanding of its position. That violent response only tells you where you are. So if someone brings up veganism to you and you get really sensitive, you get really touchy, like, oh, they're trying to take my take away my guns, god damn it. 
you know, if, if this is something that you just get, I don't know why they're just, everyone's just trying to push it down our throat. I just, it's, why won't they just let us eat our meat? It's a hot dog. I don't know. If you get really sensitive about this, this isn't an indication of the thing. It's an indication of you. And I'm not pointing this out as to say that, hey, look, you're being touchy. No, bitch, I'm touchy. I am violently emotional when it comes to things like this. So when I see other people respond to me in such a way when, I have, when I'm going and approaching it scholarly, it left me to think, well, maybe it's not, it's not a scholarly problem. Maybe this isn't about the why. And unfortunately, I think that holds true. Initially, my why really was food. I, I wanted to correct my health so I could continue to eat the way that I wanted to eat. And it wasn't bad, but it was excessive. And so I decided to start this process of testing and really breaking into what was it look like. Now, I love veggies. Love me, my cukes, my zooks, and all the things which grow from the ground. Green, leafy, herby things. They're my favorite. So I... I get that right. You know, eating veggies wasn't a problem for me. Culturally, I grew up around an Indian environment, which, you know, the, the home garden and like I knew this. So vegetables, I was like, all right. So veganism really didn't seem like a stretch. But I know for many of us, that's not the case. We didn't come from that environment. We came from the fucking Midwest level of it is country fried, deep fried, batter baked, smashed meat and butter soaked. So heavy starches, heavy meats, heavy fats. Now, this this diet in particular emanated from a very hearty culture back in in in, in a time whereby this diet supported a very high caloric uh, lifestyle. Now, believe you me when I say that the lifestyle we have today is not that active. It's not the same, right? And many of us don't do not burn or have a lifestyle which would require us to eat that kind of food. But still, we eat in massive quantities food that our ancestors didn't ever eat to that degree. So then we end up in a very a challenging point. It's, it's, it's disproportionate because we're maintaining a lifestyle and a cultural byproduct of hundreds of years in a day where our ability to evolve technology and to innovate and to connect with our being able to grow massive quantities of food, massive, I mean, millions of acres of livestock, all for the sake of food production when we no longer need that much food. So you see, again, I don't think it's about the why. I think the why for veganism really can depend for each individual. And I think the simplest why is do you want to feel better? Imagine... Imagine a moment when you were sick, right? We could look at last week when you had a cold, a little bit of the snipple. It could be the week before that when you were waking up and it was just, oh, it's just extra sinusy and congested. It could have been even further back. That time you were fucking, you were laid out painting the wall and the shitter back and forth because you, you couldn't get this bad thing out of you, right? Pick any of these moments where you were sick. Just... Go back there. It's not going to be fun. It's definitely not going to be pretty, but go back there. And when you can remember that moment, I want you to remember how when you were there, you really couldn't connect with feeling good again. 
when you were there, your whole world was encompassed by this illness. It was encompassed by this moment of inconvenience or pain. You couldn't get away from this. To imagine being or feeling better in that state was almost like a dream. It was almost an illusion because you were so encapsulated by it. There are other times in life where you were in so much pain that you evolved through that pain and it just became an everyday part of your reality. So you've got this you know, jumping out, debilitating moment that catches your attention and it pulls all of your senses into awareness that something is wrong. Think about that. Hold on to that one for me. Now, I want you to think about that time you twisted your ankle and you'd have to like walk it off. There is something, or better yet, you slipped and fell at work or outside on the steps. And you fucked your shit, boo. Your back is torqued like a corkscrew and the only way it's coming out is not. And so over years of time, you, you, your, your muscles have contorted and bent and pulled your body to accommodate this injury. Now hold on to that. See, these are two examples of effectively the same thing that is happening quickly and over time. When we get into our diet and how we're going to approach what we eat, it's so important. Now, I, I'm sure you are aware and you can remember the, the age-old phrase of, you are what you eat, and despite the fact that that would make me a raging cunt or an asshole or a dick, I don't know, something profane and vulgar, it has more reality, more truth than I can give credit to and credence to. Let's, let's dawn our Googles and let's, let's delve a bit into the biology of you. Well, it's, it's, it's oversimplified as we're about to get into it. it it's going to cover the basis of it. When I say you are what you eat, what I'm referring to in this case is the fact that you are a compilation of cells. And those cells have organized themselves according to the DNA and the, the data within them. These organized systems became organs and a bunch of things to become you. But inevitably, each individual cell needs sugar. It needs, it needs things to run, right? We could even go even further and to say that you're a bunch of atoms and those atoms need electricity to have, to have and maintain the relationship between their proton and neutron and electrons. You are something that needs something. And as such, you are, this, you are a series of needing somethings and receiving that something over and over and over, over and over and over again. In other words, like you, you have cells, those cells, they live and they die, right? You can scratch your hair, you can find that dead skin, everybody's aware of it, it's gross, but it's, an, it's a thing, right? You clip your nails, your hair falls out, all of this is an example of the fact that parts of you are always dying and in turn, always being created and born. Babies, they're not coming out of nowhere. They're not coming out of just some spiritual plane of oblivion. No, they're, they're, they're being made and manufactured. You are the sexiest engine that can. And you create over and over every day a lot of things. The things that you create, your body, your mind, yourself organizes and puts and patches into all of these different things. So it's fair to say that when, we, when I say you are what you eat, it means you are 
if nothing else, a very neat organization of food that has been consumed over insert age here. That blows my mind if you really think about it, right? You're not you. You are not this body. All this body is is, is food. You've eaten food and that food has been changed alchemically over time, years, decades into this. That's incredible. And you're not going to, I don't, you can't, I can't say you won't argue, baby, because we know you like to fight. And that's okay. So just remember, I'm not saying change anything. I'm not saying, I'm not, you don't need to do anything here. We're just talking. So it's just a discussion. But it's an important one. You are what you eat. So, if you start to eat a lot of things, okay, better yet, right? Let's just fuck it. If, I, if, if you ate nothing but cake all day long, what do you think is going to happen? Right. Okay, so you're, you get it. You get sick. It doesn't jive so well. First piece, yeah. Second piece, all right. Third piece, but initially, second meal, third meal, you can't keep this up. You do it over and over again, you get sick because your body isn't getting what it wants. Now, it's easy to get this in the extreme example of getting fat and fudgy with a piece of cake, right? You, you follow me there, Augustus. But where it gets a little bit sneakier is we, when we consider the wide span of time and how much we eat and how things have evolved. So you see, our ancestors really didn't have the same problems that we have today because what they ate was more natural. It was more normal. It was simpler. Even if it was bad, it was a simple bad. It had a more immediate negative effect. And then, you know, it didn't, it wasn't as, it wasn't as sneaky. But fast forward to today where innovation and evolution and mutation of those first initial changes that weren't safeguarded, this brings us to a very different place. Now, the fake sugar that we create today, which, you know, it definitely doesn't, you know, have that same like, boom, chemical aspartame sugar taste that it did that grandma drank. But in fact, this tastes so much like sugar that it, it's almost indistinguishable from it. So much so that my body, this unique naturally catered organic system receives this fake sugar, this, this, this manufactured sugar, this altered sugar. It lets it in because it looks so much like the original. It's incredible. Like it tastes just like it. And then while the taste is great and this is good, what isn't good is the, the underside to this, right? We've now let something that is just close enough that it can get in, but not close enough that it can get out all the way. Now, we're getting better at it, but this isn't something you want to be the monkey for. You don't want to be the test subject for this one. As you evolve, again, you are a complicated system of doors, things going in and out, like a car, right? You got fluids, you've gas, oils, and liquids that all go in in a balanced systems of parts and if you don't put the right things in at the right time at the right way then the car doesn't run right now immediately no sometimes you can put diesel in a gas and you will make it a little bit sometimes you can put the wrong oil in and you'll never know 
but the difference in doing something that wasn't designed for you is not always noticeable in the moment, but it will be noticeable down the road. And do you know how I know this? This isn't something that I can stand with this immediate space other than just looking around. Today, the world that we're in today is the byproduct of generations not seeing this. Little things, right? You can even look to say that systemic racism and insert the most thing emanated from the same aspects. Little moments of intolerance. Little moments of let's just let this go. It's all right. It's okay. That was a little different. These little moments led to massive moments, massive encounters of cultural conflict and change, which inevitably can't be judged good or bad because they led us here. But we can look to see that those little things had massive impacts. We found and discovered today that there are towns and mining communities that were built in, in such a way without precaution so that where they dug made it into where they drank. And as such, whole communities for generations were affected with higher cancer rates. We know that radiation, we know that massive amounts of innovation and the haphazardous treatment to that innovation within the natural laws that fostered it becomes really dicey in regards to how well that immediately benefits us. So there is something which I don't remember exactly how it was described. There's innovation and progress. Progress is deemed as something which furthers the whole in a way that collectively has been improved. We have progressed it. Innovation is something that has, through the use of invention, created a difference from... Innovation is something that is an, it's like an improvement, right? You can innovate something and it's gotten better. But it doesn't mean that it inherently got better than, got better for everything around it. It just got better than where it was before. And so our diet today, our world today is the byproduct of a lot of things that have just gotten better than they were, but not better for the whole. You can look at our reliance on oil and gas. If in, even in certain spaces, government support systems you can take well to be honest we are reliant on the society in itself in such an interdependent way that we have become very disconnected with our own sense as humans not as people but as humans so let's go back to the very beginning of this conversation where we looked at what exactly would be make you morally obligated to become a vegan? This is a dramatic statement to make, and I make it for the following reason. When, 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 when asked if nothing else, right, you don't expect squirrels to eat, to be sitting there eating Salisbury steak, right? You know, you look at a squirrel, and you're like, the squirrel's going to eat what a squirrel's going to eat. Why is a squirrel going to eat it? Because that is what the squirrel will eat. Okay? You immediately can visualize an environmental system and then an organic thing within it obeying it. Right? What, what does a fish eat? Other fish? Insert? Appropriate? Okay. But you're immediately going gonna to see that this thing is eating something within its system. What does a mountain lion eat? 
I don't care what the answer is, but the answer is going to be what the mountain lion eats. But when you look at people and you say, well, what do they eat? The same thing doesn't carry over because what restricted the answer to the other, the other observed examples, you know, the mountain lion, the fish, was we saw their environment and their environment encapsulated the diet to this thing. But with humans, with people, the environment they live in is not one that exists in a natural system, but in a societal system. It's in a system of people separated from nature, separated from the same governing instinctual processes that keep animals, that keep those other cycles very clearly in harmony and balanced. With humanity, when you look at us, you find that we live in cities, and these cities pull and create resources and power, and they, they, have, they basically manufacture a life to survive. And I'm not challenging them. Hello, I mean trying not to trip over my dick. Cities are incredible when you look at what they represent. Innovation is incredible in how it has allowed us to survive. We ain't living in caves anymore, unless it's this designer-ass cave and this was an intentional choice. Of course, I am excluding these places where we look at impoverished and I'm not going to use the word third world countries but when we see communities whereby the technical innovation is not present as you do in common Western society today, in these places, right, we find that humans exist outside of nature. We exist not outside of nature, but in an isolated system from nature. Even all of our roads emulate what we have learned in nature, but we don't use what nature creates except to handle that which we choose not to or don't know how to. So in other words, like when you get it, you're like, good, I'll do something with it. Unless it's hard, in which case you will do until you can't. Or you don't know, in which case you will do with it, which you can. So you leave it or it accumulates. It becomes a thing where until it evolves to such a pressure, you don't have to change for it. But in nature, it's very different. Nature, grand cycles govern whole species where they are connected into this fluid exchange of energies. When you're talking about ranging and roaming animals to tropical weather shifts. Sound effects. All of these grand systems, these are unifiers. These are things which, so you look at over, over hundreds of years, thousands of years, millions of years in some cases, you see life evolve in incredible ways. You see climates, places that were once deserts become oases, mountains now become valleys. Massive change occurs and it occurs over time. And all of the animals, the, 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 the biology, the organic life that exists within these cycles move with it. Do I mean they don't die? No, of course they die. But I mean that as the life evolves, it evolves with the change in the world around it. And it's as such, it's prolonged. It's not thrown into dramatic collision with the changes. It moves harmoniously with them. When we talk about today, when we get into right now, into the thick and the big shit of it, we are dealing with confliction, with confrontation, with, uh, what's the word, contact 
to the reality of the differences that we have caused. When you look at how we have chosen to treat energy, food, in general, all of the things which can very clearly be tracked to causes to our environmental position, our societal engagement and ensnarement, all of them, they are the way they are as having evolved over time. So when we, if we have as such evolved in a unique way, like nature, but outside of it, not operating within, like look at your, your sewage systems, or see the mirror nature. And I'm drawing all of these examples, and here's where I'm going to, it's going to connect back, okay? Everything we do as people, we learn from nature. I don't care if you disagree, it's a fact. Everything we have ever learned has emanated from nature, either an observation, an instinct, or an engagement. So, when we look at people, where do they belong in nature? What do they eat? Where would they be in the Garden of Eden or in some... If you were to take a human and you were to reduce them to just that, if for some reason, if we could create the theoretical, you can think, yeah, I've certainly, I know you've imagined some deeply kinky things with all those books on your shelf. So, dream with me. If we were to picture humans, just like, like we would imagine wild cows, wild bison, you know, you imagine the cougar, the mountain lion, all of these things, just imagine them. You can see them in nature. So, take a human. Where the fuck do they belong? What, what are they doing? What are they contributing to? Because you see, the vast sea forest, the, the vast forests in the ocean, on the earth, all of these things, they are contributing to these massive systems of exchange in the atmosphere between the earth and the air and the water. They're all moving. When you look at the animals, the birds, the plants, the bees, everything, they're contributing to these systems, these grand movements as byproduct of our earth hurtling in space. What are we doing? Where does the human belong? So don't, don't think about today. I want you to just try to imagine this. Where does the human belong? Right? Because if you didn't evolve to have tools, you didn't knit yourself clothing, you didn't, where would you be? Because if I were to say you didn't have the clothing on your back and you stepped out in winter, it's fucking cool. This is immediately aware that you couldn't survive like this, so this is not naturally where you would be. So you see, it's a hard question to ask. So when you start looking at veganism, it starts to answer these questions. Now, not where the fuck do humans belong, where do we come from, no, fuck that. I mean, on a dietary level, if you were to treat a human as an animal... What would you feed that animal? To be honest, I'm not saying you can't eat meat. What I'm saying is that the proportion and the quantity of meat that you should be consuming, that you would be eating, it has to be so dramatically different. It has to be so dramatically different in order for it to exist harmoniously within you. When we feel bad, it's very difficult, difficult for us to connect in and to feel good again. Until we do, and then in which case, when we feel bad, is the, it's, the, it's the opposite. So right now, if you feel good, you feel okay, 
great. I'm just going to be the cracker on screen who has no issue espouting nonsense about diets. But when you are ridden with some disease or, or illness or thing that you can't get over, and you're looking for any possible cure, any possible thing in desperation to try to find what you could do, and you come across someone mentioning something about veganism, and you, you start to look into why, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. The veganism is the answer to what do humans eat and what should they eat? It's not complicated. It's not evil. It's not maniacal. It's not trying to take away anything that you love. It's about trying to understand that maybe you're not... Maybe, maybe the way that you're eating has a greater effect over you than then you know. That's really what I want to leave you with. I'm not saying you need to quit all of the things that you love, but I think you need to understand what you're eating and like really understand it. We eat cheese, meat, and a lot of things, guys, that are not good for us. That, that innately, if you couldn't have caught yourself, captured, hunted, grown yourself, and you shouldn't have it. And I know that seems different, but listen, if it came to you on a truck, does it belong to you? Would that have been, how would you have found that in nature? If you were an animal, this was fox and the hound, right? What are you eating? Where did you find it? What is your, if you were a deer wandering through the woods, what are you going to be eating and how, how did you come about it, right? Because if this was anything other than nature bringing these things to you, then it's intervention be it God, man, or the otherwise. And where we find intervention, there's a unique kind of reflective change that happens. With our diet, there is crazy history, crazy research that has gone into and been performed all for the purpose of helping you to see why what you're eating is likely not what you think it is. It's soil and green, everyone. No, but quite literally, what you're eating is not what you think it is. And you are what you eat. And you are being built every day. As parts of you die, your body has to make new, new parts of you, new cells. And it's got to use what it has. And sure, you can do it now. And, and some people in your family may have done it for even longer. But this is a proportional change. This is an exponential rate. Every generation, this change is going to happen faster and faster and faster. So, sure, it may not affect you in the same way, but your kids, they'll be affected even worse. Their kids, even more. This is, this is genetics. So, I'm not telling you to change for, to make things difficult. I'm saying that I think you need to evaluate where you would be if you hadn't been changed to be this way. It's not an insane idea to believe that you could be free of the things that you weren't inherently forced to contend with. The only thing in life you had to deal with were the big moments, the big chapters that God had planned out for you. If everything else, all the little trip-ups and fuck-ups and things that could be, if that could be just sorted and resolved away, right? If your life would still be your life, but I could take away all of the tummy aches, 
but I could make it so that you didn't, you know, have any accidental shit your brain out moments. So it, it so that your head, God, my mom, I love my mom as much as any son loves their mom. One of the hardest things that I experienced growing up was having to watch her suffer from debilitating migraines. I mean, like I remember there was one time when she was taking me to school and she had to stop and pull over to throw up because this migraine became so intense. I mean, this is when we was at back surgery and she had the, the rods, the pins, it's a shitty situation. And this, and I'm not saying this was because of her diet, but I'm, I'm saying, holy shit, when I, took, when, I, when I was suffering from the same fucking things that my mom was, and I was like, I've done everything. I'm working out, I'm exercising. I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, it's my coffee creamer. Am I saying that that's my mama's problem? I, I can't inherently know. I, I can't know, but I'm saying that when I was suffering from the same thing, the thing that was generationally hitting me sooner than it hit her, impacting me harder than it had impacted her at that time, I didn't know what to do and I was panicking because I was seeing the similarities. I was seeing the signs. I was afraid. What if I'm driving down the road and I get so impacted by this, I can't be safe and operate this vehicle anymore? As a parent, these were things that I could not contend with. What if? What if the diet and things that I gave my kids right now could support and protect them from getting cancer in the future? What if I could protect and enable them to know how to find and be able to exist off of a natural food and food system that they could literally find anywhere around them? If I could, if I could, if I could teach my kids to fish, for this analogy, that's a fucked up one. But at the same point, not really, right? If you want to eat chicken, baby, go pick up your gun, go hunt, kill, clean, go get that chicken, right? But if you're not willing to do that, then you don't deserve the chicken. You don't get it. We get so bound in comfort and convenience that it's easy to be an asshole and not know it. It's easy to sit here and make decisions and actions that have such negative consequences on us and our, on the people around us that we can just not, we feel like we cannot take accountability for them. That when it happens, it's just an act of God. Honey, I'm sorry, God is dead. And in this world today, you are accountable. God is you. You are the one who, whom is perceiving, seeing, and is responsible for your life. You are God. You are responsible. So to sit in any point, if you know, right? And tell me this, right? So just riddle me this, Batman. When you eat good food, you feel good. When you eat bad food, you feel bad. We have spent so long eating bad food and telling ourselves that feeling bad is normal and okay that we don't remember what it feels like to feel good, right? We're sick and we can't remember what it, it's like to feel good, but this is a long-term pain and we've grown accustomed to it. Now it's a matter of chasing away the extreme. It's not easy and I'm sorry that this becomes so intense, but this is an important discussion and I'm sorry that we're just now having it. But you weren't prepared and we weren't prepared 
in this society, in this system to have this information, to know how to eat and what we need to do because we got so focused on surviving that we became so fucking good at it that we became distracted in it. And it became quality over quantity. To have anything was better than to have the thing that we needed. When all you've got is nothing, there's a lot to go around.